are back. Just like that, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Restricted Area Podcast. It's been a long time since I've gotten to say those words, and it feels really good. It feels really good to be back. This is my outlet. This is my expression. This is my one hour of the week where I can just say outlandish crazy shit and nobody can can check me. All right. So this is something that I need. And um, if you found the podcast, God bless you. Thank you for listening. What an off season. What an off season. I multiple times wanted to check back in and just jump on the mic and tear into some stuff. If you have listened to the show before or watched the show before, either on YouTube or Spotify, I don't discriminate. Then you've probably seen the video episodes, which means you've seen that the backdrop has changed. And I, I know this isn't great. Um, a large portion of it is taken up by this TV and a little bit black and dark and depressing. Um, behind me, I promise, you can see that that Larry O'Brien trophy, uh, which the Celtics still haven't cared enough to secure. However, we're going to get into why I think that finally could change. This this year's our year, guys, I'm telling you. Um, and then the authentic fan sign right there on the backside is even better. Maybe I'll flip it and I, I will, we'll add a... We're definitely going to add to this. I, I promise. It's really brand new apartment-y and I get that a little bit gray, a little bit depressing. I'm working on it. But that is part of why I have not uh, gotten around to recording. Summer was long for me, guys. And I moved and I did some new stuff. And most importantly, I moved. And I did not want to get this all set back up. I had to kind of re redo my setup again. And, um, but too much time has passed and too much good stuff has gone on. I have to get into it. Happy Friday. Happy October 6th. If you're a Drake supporter, I guess you guys got a new album today. I, I, I was a once big time Drake guy. I played the album today. Very, very forgettable. There's a few songs on there that might stick with me. Um, but that's, that's what my day's been so far. Um, got some coffee, listened to some Drake, set this up again. Got very few notes. I mean, you guys know how we do here. We just kind of roll by the by the seat of our pants. And I want I, I want to catch you guys up on more stuff. But let's just get into some basketball. Marcus Smart is no longer a member of the Boston Celtics. Damian Lillard is no longer a member of the Portland Trailblazers. But he's not on the Miami Heat like we last spoke about on this episode or on this podcast. Um, Christoph Sporzingis is a Celtic. Drew Holiday is a Celtic. A lot has gone on, especially in my world, in the Celtics world. I am going to probably smile pretty gleefully throughout the duration of this podcast because this is the most optimistic I've been going into an NBA season, more or less since the Celtics got Gordon Hayward. That was like peak joy. I'll never forget where I was. And I say this like Gordon Hayward is like LeBron James. At the time, he may as well have been because we were just looking for something, anything. Boston doesn't recruit star players. Boston doesn't recruit star players. We can't get big names to Boston. And th they were right. They were right. And at the time, Gordon Hayward coming off his first all-star appearance was the biggest name heading into that summer. And 
we got them July 4th. I could not put my phone down. I was out with family at the time and they were like, what are you doing? What's even going on? Who is that guy? Is he even any good? And truth of the matter is we never really got to see it come to fruition. I know it. You guys know it. Game one, Cleveland. I will also never forget where I was for this. Kyrie to Gordon Hayward, lob pass. You couldn't script it any better. It was going to be the best way to introduce our two new players. Gordon and goes up and yeah, seen on that. Um, so this, this will be different. This has to be different. Um, this year's editions, of course, Chris Porzingis, longtime favorite of mine, even through all the ups and downs that he's kind of been in. He's been passed around from New York to Dallas, then to Washington, and a lot of injuries along the way. But last year, he turned in a very healthy season, played in over 60 games, um, and was shut down those last couple weeks of the season. So he could have easily run up his game total. Um, but as a Celtics fan, hey, it's actually kind of nice that he has had a long summer. Um, there was that spat with the Latvia team, and they said he had, uh, was it plantar fasciitis? But um, he's good, and he's been playing at training camp, and we are entering the season, believe it or not, fully healthy. And it feels really good because that doesn't always happen. You know, these nagging injuries that pop up, they can pop up over the summer, especially when you have guys playing uh, overseas. This summer, thankfully, we did not have any participants. Um, Team USA did a full pivot and went kind of back to um, just sending the young guys. They asked Tatum, though, to stay on that note. They asked Tatum about Paris Olympics next year, and it seems like he's pretty uh, pretty much all set on that. So we'll address that when we get there. Guys, I know shit's different now. And I'm going to get into why this Marcus Smart thing hurts so much. And losing Rob hurts so much. He's been with the team for five years now. Five years now. It was five years ago that we crowned him Time Lord because he was just this kid who wobbled in from Texas A&M who we didn't have that high expectations of. He wasn't a high draft pick or anything. And his like first interaction with the team is he's like late to practice, right? And that could have just, at the time, it, it did not look good at all for him because it was like he already had this bad rap of, well, is he really the hardest worker? What's his motor like? Um, and I mean, think about Rob the past few years. When he's been healthy, he's been the most high-energy, high-motor guy you could think of. And so he definitely beat those allegations. Uh, and, and he ended up being just such a great P-star team, one of the most likable guys. We haven't even... I never got to talk about Grant Williams, who was probably the most likable Celtic um, and most memeable Celtic, too. Uh, which he fully has always leaned into that bit. And it's nice. To, it, it, it was just, it was always fun with him, right? The Batman stuff, dressing up for Halloween, um, his Twitter uh, actions and stuff like that. He debuted with the Mavericks yesterday. And um, hey, the jury's out on it. We're, we're just going to see what what goes on with it. The, you know, to, Defend Grant, there's not a lot of good going on in Dallas. I know they have the two stars, but they're starting two rookies, and it just there's been a lot of turnover there. So we'll see. I, I'm really rooting for 
not only Grant, but Malcolm Brogdon, Rob, Marcus, of course. Um, so with all that being said, yeah, there was a lot of loss, a lot of sacrifice. But as our fearless um, leader said, Brad Stevens, and, you know, you have to sacrifice to get these to get these type of talents, to get a Drew Holiday, to get a Porzingis. And I don't think there's any Celtics fan that would look you dead in the eye and tell you that we're not better than we were at the start of the offseason. And if they are, maybe they're just, I don't know, living under a rock or genuinely don't know about how talented some of these guys are. Christoph Porzingis, I know the biggest thing with fans right now is they're worried about his reliability. Well, just imagine we swapped Rob for Kristaps, right? Kristaps last year played more games in last year than Rob has in any of his five seasons. Rob's career high in a season for games played is 61. That's the only season he played over 60 games. The other uh, tallies on his basketball reference sheet looks look, look like 29 games, 43 games. Guys, he was elite. He's a premier lob threat, premier uh, defensive threat. He stretches the floor so much. So vertically, he is just terrifying. I'm sure he's terrifying to play against. But we need guys who can be on the floor deep in the postseason runs. Same thing goes for Malcolm Brogdon. And I don't really, we, we still kind of don't know what happened with Malcolm 100%. Uh, obviously, he was not playing well when he was um, at the end of the Miami series. Um, yeah, I think he was injured, and I think that's part of why he didn't the, he didn't get traded to the Clippers was because they couldn't get a good physical on him, and the last they seen of him was he looked like a guy who was pretty hurt, pretty banged up. So, you know, we bring in guys who we now hope will uphold, whose bodies will not fail them for a lengthy playoff run. Because that's where this team is headed. Wick Grasbeck, our owner, man, if he could just buy the Pats and the Red Sox too, I mean, that would be amazing. Those two teams have been such a disappointment to the city of Boston and its fans that just hearing an owner like Wick talk about going really in-depth, not being afraid to hit that second tax on the luxury tax, not being afraid to spend big with these other big market teams and small market. Look at Milwaukee. We're talking about Drew Holiday, but in all of this, Milwaukee got Dame, right? I think something that people have been asking a lot is, well, will, would Milwaukee do that trade if they knew the end result was Drew going to Boston? And I think a thousand times, yes, they still do that. They still got better. Um, they also had to entertain the thought, like, yeah, Drew is kind of a perfect fit in Boston. And I guarantee you they knew what packages would be put together in that ideal, you know, in an ideal scenario for Boston. And they still chose to do it, right? I, I don't think, I think it's kind of dumb to just imagine that an NBA GM and the, their, you know, the front office is not thinking about all the ramifications of it. They probably didn't think it was super likely that he'd go to Boston, right? I don't even think Boston thought it was super likely. But when you compared that offer amongst what, you know, they could also get, what what Portland could get for Drew in a, in a flip, um, I think Boston's offer did end up standing out. And um still seems like LA is kind of committed to thinking they can get Harden. 
Um, they've also obviously been the most interested in Malcolm Brogdon. Um, but before we get into all the excitement, I just wanted to to wrap, just just send off the guys in a good way. You know, they did a lot of good. Marcus, of course, nine years with the team. I mean, when he was drafted, I'll never forget. I was just a kid watching the draft. I was like 13 or 14 years old. And um, so now here we are full circle. He finally um, moves on. And yeah, it's it stings. It, it definitely stings pretty pretty bad. But there, how many times did I say I would drive him to the airport, right? Like a, a lot of times, <laughs> a lot of times. He's the career, he's my my career high and most uh, I, I'll pack that guy's bags and drive him to the airport right now. He is he was very frustrating to watch at times. But it doesn't mean that we did not love him and that he was not ultimately a great thing for this team. He bridged the gap so perfectly between between eras. He was the kind of the missing puzzle piece from the Pierce Garnett Rondo era into this Tatum and Brown era. And he handled it with grace. He was not always perfect, but he was always willing to learn despite some of the shot chucking. <laughs> he did get so much better as a playmaker, as a defensive player, winning defensive player of the year. I mean, that was just, it was so awesome to kind of grow up with Marcus in our lives. And it's always hard when a player like that departs. Uh, I think I'm thinking about queuing up a guest for y'all this weekend. And I, I kind of want to do like a power ranking of great Boston athletes departures. Um, I mean, we, we have some good ones, unfortunately. Um, some recent ones, uh, Mookie Betts, Tom Brady, um, big poppy, the big poppy, like, uh, Red Sox team for me growing up with, uh, Pedroy and all that. They didn't, you know, they didn't like get shipped out or leave them for agency, but just the, that the kind of the end of that era, um, and then of course, Pierce, Rondo, Allen, uh, well, less so Allen, more so Garnett. Um, this is just another one, uh, in a long, a long line of heartbreaking athlete departures. But this one at least has the benefit of we're getting what we think is something a lot better back in return. And I, I mean, I really do believe that getting Porzingis back for this team, uh, a team that's never had the defensive versatility of Porzingis never had somebody who can, who never had a seven footer, right? Never had a true seven footer. Um, and Porzingis is seven foot three. Put him right next to Victor Wamanyama, and um, I think that dilutes a lot of Wemby's hype just because it's like, oh, wait, there kind of is already a guy who is this tall, is this long, is this athletic, has a has freaky good shot making capabilities i'm not saying that wemby's ceiling is going to be porzingis i mean at respectively at their ages at where they were um when they were drafted wemby is very much far like he's much farther along than porzingis ever was but um that's also maybe just a sign of where basketball is headed that these seven foot freaks can be encouraged to handle the ball to shoot the ball from three not just live in the paint um, because remember when Porzingis came on, he was the unicorn because he was kind of the first of his kind. So even though he was doing all the ball handling, all the shooting, um, it still was a very new thing. And now I think that's why we're seeing him kind of 
hit his prime. For one, he's only 27 years old. But for, you know, secondly, the game is just advancing with him and, and at a good time too, because he's, you know, he's really hitting his stride, really hitting his, his, uh, the peak of his powers. Um, and that's just where I'm most excited of all the acquisitions for Boston this summer. It starts with Porzingis. It literally started with Porzingis being the first acquisition this summer. And then this season, that's where you're going to see the most difference made on the court is right off the bat. You're going to be like, wow, we have a real seven footer stretches the floor vertically and with his shooting ability. Um, something that as, as great of a lob threat as an interior threat uh, that Rob was, it's just it's just night and day compared to Porzingis. Porzingis can live on the perimeter and just cook guys. He's got a great post-up game. Um, that's been a hot topic that he's been getting asked about is his post-ups because if you think back you know, to his Dallas, his time with Dallas, they really wanted to use him in that way and he wasn't good enough at it. He could not post up. And that's something that it was kind of a, kind of a, you know, a light went off for him and say, Hey, you know, I have to become more versatile. I have to become a greater offensive threat. Being in the NBA and just being tall is not going to get me by anymore. Um, not to say that's all he was, but you know, up to that point, he was, he was not as nearly as versatile as he is today. Um, seeing how Missoula is going to work him into this and seeing how, He's going to use a Tatum, a Brown, and now a Drew Holiday around him is going to be interesting. And I don't expect it to work out just perfectly right away. I don't. Because this is the most overhaul any one team has done in an offseason in a long time. You know, I'm thinking back to when a team just kind of, I'm not going to say we changed their total identity, but what was the last big... Maybe the Lakers, once they had gotten LeBron and they brought in AD quickly thereafter, um, you know, it's just it's just a, a big change, and now you have this seven foot three pillar in the paint, whereas last year you didn't, and so it's going to be a little bit different. But um, I'm dreaming, salivating over uh, pick and pops, over the pick and roll game. Using Tatum as a ball handler with Porzingis as a screener, um, maybe that's not quite Dame and Giannis pick and roll level, but I think it looks very interesting. And the the different uh, lineups you can throw out, this team can now go super big. They can also play a little bit smaller if they need to. Um, moving Tatum up to the four, I think. If you ask me, I, I, and I've seen, it seems to me there's one of two lineup variations that are going to be what we go into the season, um, starting the season with, and that would be Drew, Derek White, uh, Brown, Tatum, and Porzingis. That's my fit. That's my personal. I like that one. And then the alternate would be um, Drew, Brown, Tatum, Porzingis, and starting Al Horford instead of Derek White. And I think, and I think Joe Mazzola nailed this um, the other day when he was asked about it. It's you know, it's really a good problem to have and it can change um, dependent on the matchups. My thing with starting Al or getting too comfortable with starting Al, for one, we saw what, what you know, what we could get out of him in a deep playoff run, right? And that was with him sitting the back-to-backs, taking some time off during the regular season last year. We just put too much on him. So get to the end of the Miami series 
and he was really out of gas. And I, you cannot blame him. He's, you know, 37 years old now. And I, I like the plan for him to sit the back-to-backs. You don't need to be the everyday starter. Hell, you don't need to ever start at all. Um, there are going to be a lot of nights where he certainly does. Um, but having him as the first guy off the bench, even on those nights where he has to sit, it's not going to disrupt the flow of the five starters as much, I feel. Now, granted, maybe Al has been drinking like, you know, uh, adrenochrome or whatever, you know, they say the you know, the people in Hollywood drink to look younger. Um, and he's going to have new life in him and he's going to start 17 games. Not likely. Uh, I also just have this, I want to see what a Drew Holiday, Derek White backcourt looks like. I want to see it against Milwaukee. I want to see them tag team in against Jimmy Butler. I want to see it in effect against um, the Warriors, the Mavericks. I want to see that every night on display. And um, I think that's just something to be really excited about because defensively, the, the, the top six are all great defensively, right? And you have this newfound buy-in from Jalen Brown. Tatum's been good defensively, said he wants to make all NBA, right? And you could say, oh, whatever, not a big deal. Not a lot of guys go into the season, especially the top five, top 10 guys go into the season and say, yeah, I'm, I'm looking to make all NBA. They're talking about, oh yeah, we're being all-star, maybe make all NBA, but probably not for my defense, probably make it to the first or second team as a score, uh, you know, uh, offensively focused. And it's definitely bled over into the other guys. Derek White, maybe the best defensive player on last year's team is... He, he gets interviewed. He's doubling down on Tatum and Brown are not joking about it. They are, there's this huge buy-in defensively. And I think it took last year's team and Missoula coming in offense, offense, offense. We're going to shoot a lot of threes. We're going to shoot, you know, 53s a game. Um, I think it took that to realize, Hey, two years ago, we were, we were like, you couldn't score on us. There were nights where teams would struggle to score, you know, even in the ballpark of 100 points with the the, the Ima Yudoka-led Celtics. And that's that's in some part credit to Yudoka and his coaching style and his leadership style, but it's also in part to just the identity that that team had versus the identity that last year's team had. Last year was, we're going to take a ton of threes, even if it's killing us. It was very much like the James Harden Rockets and... That this team doesn't have a James Harden to lead that, right? They don't have, we don't have anywhere near the level of facilitator or shot maker that, of a James Harden in his prime, right? Um, we'd like to think that Tatum and Brown are getting to that point as offensive creators. Um, and it's, we, we've yet to see it on display this year. And I think we're going to start to be able to officially say that these guys are, have entered their prime, um, especially if they just take it up to a whole nother level. Um, and I, I, you know, it's yet to be seen but getting back to shutting teams down is going to be huge for this team last year it went straight up to the back burner at times especially when rob was absent if smart had to miss time even if smart definitely lost a step and i still am convinced that he had to be hobbled or maybe just the wear and tear of the season got to him because he did not look like himself and maybe now in memphis after the trade, um, getting to the grit and grind Grizzlies, maybe we're going to see him step back and try to chase that that uh, defensive player of the year potential. I'd love to see it just 
always going to root for smart. So yeah, I want to see it for, for him. Um, but last year, um, his regression also fed into the fact that this team took steps back defensively. Um, but the collective feeling around the team is that the buy-in has never been greater just in general, that the guys have never showed up to the facility two weeks, three weeks, a month before the season, and they were. Look at look at just the buy-in from players who aren't even on the team. Paul Pierce, most importantly, he's been around the team. He has been getting these guys engaged, getting them uh, amped up. Pierce or uh, Tatum talks about Pierce like he's like his uncle, you know, He's like, man, you know, Pierce came by, he's lost 20 pounds. He's been working out with me all the time. And it's like, it's awesome because that was something, especially on the the 3-1 comeback last year that I was begging and pleading for. We need a Pierce. We need the Garnett. We need Rondo. We need these guys who, of the last generation, the last guys to win a title, who know what it takes to win. For a long time, it seemed like they wanted nothing to do with the team. Then they ended up showing up to game seven and stuff like that. Then we saw that like hour long piece. It was done with KG show and they, they had um, Marcus Jalen and Jason. They were like, you know, we need to do a better job of being around you guys, you know? And uh, it seems that, that they've really bought into that Pierce, especially it's just cool to see the excitement around this team. And with it obviously comes super high expectations, but with it, comes you know i mean i think this team can really can really step up and really actually deliver this year um of course you control what you can control injuries are going to happen you have to get lucky with injuries you have to find ways to break through i mean it's going to be tough there are going to be barriers with this team it's going to be very different um and you still have joe mazula who is just still just a second year coach but he has shown a lot of growth and a lot of development at least from what i can tell i love the podcast he did with jj reddick he's admitted so much of his deficiencies last year which we all knew about and i, I think i i would like to think i was pretty defensive of Missoula, but also knew that at times he did not look like a guy who was capable of doing this job but really what's a better case scenario than coming in and facing that level of adversity in your first year getting to the conference finals being the number two seed vying for that one seed all year in the first place then missing out on it ends up kind of playing in your favor you catch the eight seed in the conference finals and then you blow it right that stings and that was i mean he's already seen what it, the peak of boston sports downfall and pandemonium looks like people calling for his head people wanting him fired, people wanting him out. And I don't get the vibe that that's, I don't get that vibe at all right now. You know, it feels like clean slate, new season, pressure is on, right? Got to deliver, but it's not like we're going into the season and if we lose the first game, get Missoula out of here. You know, we're gonna, you're going to have Felger and Naz and the douchebags in Boston who are going to make their, they're going to do their thing and they're going to say those things. But in reality, fans at heart know like, hey, this is going to take some time, and Missoula was not perfect last year, but let's see it through. Let's see it through. He did show real growth towards the end of last season, at least I felt. Started to become quite the uh, timeout caller, if we're honest. Um, and it was just exciting to see his development as well as the team's. And 
Um, I'm just so excited for this upcoming year. I want to spend a little bit of time on Dame to Milwaukee. Um, like I said, Milwaukee gets a lot better, right? And they do that trade, even though even though Drew is going to Boston. If they knew that, they do that trade a thousand times out of a thousand. Um, but if you're looking at the favorites around the league, it's maybe Denver and then Boston and Milwaukee are right there. Um, and so I want to kind of talk about um, that trade, what it means for Giannis staying in Milwaukee long term. And if these two teams matched up tomorrow, what would it look like? Um, take a quick break and then we'll talk a little bit of Dame to Milwaukee. As excited as I am about the Celtics upcoming season, I'm potentially even more or just as excited to finally put an end to the Damian Lillard trait saga. Uh, dude, that was an insufferable summer of tweets from Shams, Woj, anybody with, you know, 20,000 followers and a blue check on Twitter um, is now talking about Dame and his agents putting out this uh, Dame, you know, Dame won't play for your team if you trade for him. I mean, this was the most insufferable superstar trade request that I can remember at all, like ever. This was awful to listen to. It was awful to listen to two months ago when I did an episode about the Dame Lillard to Miami thing. It was bad then. It just got worse and worse and worse. And you couldn't go a week without hearing a new, a new bit of information about Dame. Uh, but it wasn't new. It was the same regurgitated BS that has been, you know, spun a million different ways. Like, and it felt nice to see him. I don't want to say he didn't get his way because he gets out of Portland. He gets to a better situation. Um, and it's not like, I'm, I, I know, I know that Portland signed off on that with him. They were like, Hey, we're going to send you to Milwaukee. You get to play with Giannis is like, it's that or like, like, like this is your best chance because we're not going to do do the Miami thing. I think they knew a long time ago they weren't going to do the Miami thing. I mean, the best case scenario for Portland is Tyler Hero, Jaime Jaquez, the rookie um, from UCLA, Nikola Jovic, and like some draft picks. And who wants Miami draft picks anyway? It pains me to say it, but they're always good. Like they're always relevant, right? Miami is. Um and so that just wasn't going to get it done. And that offer wasn't going to change. They weren't just going to throw some new wrinkle into it. And it's like, oh, that's enough now. Because that was all Miami had to give. I don't know if you know this, but Miami is pretty barren on assets right now. Um, it just They just are. And they let two guys walk this offseason. I really, you know, if you get Dame back in there, obviously they are a contender. Um, they're, you know, they're a team that you have to worry about. But... Him going to Milwaukee, I think the Milwaukee Bucks with Dame are just infinitely better than Miami would have been with Dame. If Dame goes to Miami, his best running mate is Jimmy Butler, who's turning 34, who just got hurt in the last postseason. Next best guy is Bam Adebayo. Definitely, Bam is probably a top three center in the NBA. But as far as big threes go, I mean... It's kind of weak and pretty dependent upon a 33-year-old Dame and a 34-year-old Butler. He goes to Milwaukee. Yes, they lose Drew Holiday, but they gain Dame, who just honestly had his best statistical season. Um, even if he's 33, um, 
they can afford it more so than Miami can because their next best guy, or their best guy rather, is Giannis. And Giannis is only 28 or 29 um, and is has a tremendous track record of being healthy, right? He, even in the Miami series where he kind of, where he was hurt, he ended up only missing a game and could play through it, although not at his full self. But Giannis has a tremendous uh, track record of being healthy. Um, and I mean, just look at him. He is the epitome of athleticism and he is a freak of nature. Um, they also, Milwaukee, are just much more ready to contend right now. And it feels weird to say, but Miami, who just beat Milwaukee, that Milwaukee is somehow much better, uh, you know, in place to contend, but they just are. Um, they've got a defensive player of the year type candidate in Brooke Lopez. They've got the MVP of the league, Giannis, the two-time MVP of the league, Giannis. And now you add Dame and that paired with Chris Middleton, although I am Chris Middleton's like biggest hater. He's so easy to make fun of. And he has not looked like himself for much of the last two seasons, largely, of course, due to injury. Um, but this is like his first fully healthy offseason. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the, of the doubt. And we'll see. We'll see, right? But that's a really formidable top four. Um, oh, Milwaukee did trade out Grayson Allen. Yeah, I don't know that they're going to be able to stomach that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's yet to be seen. Um but really, their top four is, is pretty tough, and I put them right there with Boston, right there with Denver as top contenders going into next year. Yes, they no doubt do this trade a million times over, even with Holiday going to Boston, but I damn sure can guarantee you that they did not like seeing that news, right? Um, even if they knew that it might be a possibility, they did not want to welcome that um, and, and have it ruin their Sunday morning. Um, however, as far as top two duos, if we just quickly ranked them, Damon Giannis feels like right now, kind of the fringe, the, the number one, I'm going to say that it's Jokic and Murray, you know, Jokic is holding up his, his end of the bargain on that more so than, than Murray probably. Um, but together, you know, even though Murray's not really, I mean, he's not really a top 15 player, top 20, we could talk about that. Um, and I think big thing there was just health. And last year when he was on, he looked fantastic. Um, he was fantastic the entire playoff run for the most part. Um, so Jokic and Murray still are kind of the reigning number one there. And Booker and Durant, the way that they play off of each other, it's tough to not put them number two. I know for a long time I was comp campaigning for the Tatum and Brown um, but for the Tatum and Brown case, and I've got them right there with Durant and Booker. Um, I just think that truthfully, and it does hurt to say this, that Durant and Booker somehow only, uh, like 12 games together somehow played off of one another much better than Tatum and Brown have ever played off of one another. However, and you know, take what you will from this, take take all the off-season photos and videos and workout and hype videos with a grain of salt. They were working out together for the first time ever. Tatum and Brown were spotted in the same gym. And I think they worked out with Drew Hanlon, who's Tatum's like full-time guy. And that's great to see. Hopefully they worked everything. Hopefully they worked ball handling. Hopefully they worked left-hand dribbling. Hopefully they worked... 
using your non-dominant hand. Hopefully they worked everything. Uh, I also saw Jalen was working out with Lethal Shooter, you know, Instagram's most favorite influence, basketball influencer. So that's exciting. Seeing the buy-in from those two working together for the first time in an offseason, it's crazy that it took five or six years to get here, but yeah, you know, here we go, right? Finally. Um, I think it takes getting like absolutely pissed on in the game seven. Jalen Brown with like seven or eight turnovers in that game to realize like, hey, my offseason plans that I had, they're they're not good enough. They're not cutting it. Um, let's go spend two weeks a month and like on vacation and then let's get back to it and let's do it different this time. Um, and so I'm, I, I hope there's some real two man game stuff with that. Like, uh, and now I, I see, I told you from the start of this podcast, I was going to do, I was just going to be beaming from ear to ear about the Celtics. I'm doing it again. Um, so we were, I think I was doing like top twos in the NBA, but you get it. Damon Giannis is a lethal threat. I've always had this like idea of Steph and Giannis working so well together. Well, if you can't get Steph, the next best thing is pretty much Dame. Um, you know, if if you know Steph's the greatest off the bounce shooter of all time, Dame is right there in the top three to four of that list. Um, just the way that their games are going to um, complement one another is going to be a special sight to see, and I gotta admit, I'm excited for it. I don't want to see, you know, I don't want to see them go off against us, but um, I will be leak passing Milwaukee pretty much every night. I'm going to have a screen dedicated to watching those pick and rolls um, and just seeing what they do with it. It's going to be super fascinating. Um, And yeah, the Celtics fan in me hope it blows up in their face, but I just don't see that happening. I see this working out pretty well for both teams and let's, let's not run from it a Celtics Bucks one and two seed and then facing off in the conference finals would be like like movie theater stuff. It'd be incredible. All these storylines, you bring Dame into this rivalry, you take Drew from Milwaukee, put him right in Boston. Um, the Tatum versus Giannis, like all the, you, you'd see all the poster dunk compilations of Jalen and Jason Poster and Giannis and I credit Giannis for getting in the way of those but sometimes you got to make a business decision man I I mean we've got a lot of posters maybe I was talking about how I'm going to decorate this room if the main thing is the podcast I mean I gotta I gotta throw some maybe some some Celtics gear some posters up there man on that wall so thank you Giannis for your uh, contribution to the design um that's that's been an off season, guys. That's been the off season. Um, there's been other stuff that's happened. You know, I know, I know. You guys were dying for me to talk about Delano Banton signing with the Celtics or O'Shea Brissett or Lamar Stevens. Like I know, but there's just so much to get to. So, um, really, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Seeing the rookies. Seeing Wembenyama, seeing him play in person soon is going to be super awesome. Rooting for all of it, rooting that everybody has a healthy season. Um, super excited for the season, more so than I have been, like I said, in years. Um, I'm counting down the days 
And thankfully, I do not have to count down much longer. It is October 6th. Celtics play on October 24th. We are just weeks away, guys. Um, thank you for checking out this this episode. Um, like I said, we're going to see what's up with this weekend. Um, football season's going on still, obviously. Um, we still have a few weeks before the season gets into full swing, and I don't th- imagine there being it too many more blockbusters from here on from here to then so i kind of want to talk a little bit of football and obviously this is not a football podcast but uh i am passionate about it and i am passionate about fantasy football too and so i i maybe we'll do like a sunday special just like a half hour on on football the pats i kind of want to talk about the pats um but maybe i should just keep that to my friend group and not on the airwaves because it can get really aggravating really fast when you realize all the holes this team has and all the downfalls that we've been through since Tom Brady left us, left us hanging out to dry. Um, oh, but anyway, thank you guys for checking this episode out. It feels so good to be back. Um, you can expect the consistent uploads again. In between now and the season, I don't really know what I'm going to do. Um, like I said, might just just check your inbox just check your podcast app every now and then refresh it might see something also might not um uh but really uh good to be back restricted area podcast tell your friends see ya